Well, thanks for joining us for our musical worship part of it. Uh, again, like we said, Ellie Holcomb is coming to the Lighthouse Church. Uh, she'll be here uh, May 22nd for our 30th birthday party. So make sure you RSVP online at our website, tlccma.org. We're having an outdoor barbecue at 4 o'clock, and then right after that will be Ellie live in concert. She's been at Lighthouse two times, and uh, she's just phenomenal, so we would really encourage you to be there. Uh, again, thanks for joining us online. I know it's not uh, ideal. Uh, we're just trying to take all the precautions necessary. We did have two people uh, in our congregation that uh, tested positive for COVID-19, so please keep them in your prayer, and we just wanted to make sure that we weren't um, you know, contributing any sort of spread. So uh, we'll be back in action Wednesday. Uh, barring anything crazy happening, and uh, we'll see you then. We'll see you next weekend. Um, we're going to do two things this morning. Uh, one thing uh, we're going to start with is uh, a group prayer, and so I, I have a little prayer guide that we're going to walk through here. Uh, if you're by yourself, you can do it by yourself, totally fine. If you're with a group of people, I would encourage you uh, with uh, whoever you are there in the room with to uh, walk through uh, this with them. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. All right, so step number one, we're just going to breathe. Uh, so everyone that's there, uh, we're just going to close our eyes and take three deep breaths in and out. So let's do that. Deep breath in and out. Deep breath in and out. Deep breath in and out. So what I want everyone to do now uh, is just put your palms up. Uh, you can rest them on your lap or on your table or whatever you're there with. But uh, we're going to do this whole posture, uh, this whole prayer with this posture of, of our palms being up. Uh, so the next one is this, that we're just going to humbly give your worries to Jesus. And so Jesus, you know what's happening in our lives. 1 Peter 5, 6-7 says, To humble ourselves and to give all of our worries and cares to you because you care about us. And so that's what we do. We drop all of our worries on you today, Jesus. We also want to say thank you, Jesus, and we are so thankful for you. Uh, Colossians 3.15 tells us to let the peace that we find in you to unite us and to create in us a thankful heart. Uh, so take a minute, if you're by yourself, just to say thank you, Jesus, for something. Fill in that blank. Thank you, Jesus, for and see how many you can think of off the top of your head. If you're with a group, just have everyone go around and get a chance to share. I'll give you maybe 30 seconds just to jump around and say thank you, Jesus, for this or that, something specific that you want to say thank you to Jesus for. All right, the next one, uh, and again, if you are still saying thank you or if you're in a group that's still talking, feel free to mute me and, uh, and come back. Uh, but the next one is we're just going to say forgive us, Jesus, and we ask for forgiveness. Holy Spirit, we need you to continue to make us look more like Jesus. And so on our own, we fail, and we can't do it without you. James 5.16 asks us to confess our sins to one another and to pray for each other. So as you think, as you take a moment, uh, just meditate on, is there anything or anyone that you want to say sorry to because of something maybe you said or did? Uh, this isn't a time to make something up. 
but it's a time just to be honest and humble uh, that, God, we still need you. And um, Jesus, I'm sorry, and I confess and uh, fill in whatever that blank is. If you're with a group of people, I pray that you treat each other kindly and that you can be vulnerable in this time just to confess those areas that we fell short this week. Jesus, we thank you that you do not treat us poorly because of our sins, but instead took all of them when you died on the cross. And so we accept your forgiveness and your freedom this morning, and we ask for healing in everything that was shared and for the things that we didn't share. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to take a moment now to pray for your people. And uh, Jesus, there are people in our lives that we want to pray for right now. First uh, Timothy 1-2 says it about as plainly as you can say it, uh, to pray for everyone. And so ask God in this moment to put someone's name in your mind and to pray for them. Whoever it is that pops up in there, pray for that person. Um, if, again, you're with people, let everyone go around and just say the name of one person they want to pray for. And uh, I'll model this this morning by saying that we just want to pray as a church family for Will McComer uh, and for Carrie and their young children. Will uh, had a stroke in the hospital uh, this weekend, and so we wanted to pray for healing, uh, that there wouldn't be any long-term effects, and just for comfort in this time for both him and Carrie and the girls, and we just pray that in the name of Jesus. But pray for your people in this time. All right, we're going to move into a prayer for our world. And so there are uh, four specific prayers that we're going to lift up. Uh, and I do apologize if uh, my internet is cutting out. It's being a little weird right now. But uh, we're going to pray for our world. So Jesus, we pray for it. And we pray uh, to be reminded that in Genesis 2.15, you placed this on earth to work it and to take care of it. So our prayer will be, what's one way that we can care for the earth this week? So if you're by yourself, think of something, one specific way you can care for the earth that God has given us to care for this week. And if you're with a group of people, uh, just shout out a few ideas. What are some ways that we can care for the earth this week? Jesus, we also pray for justice, for the oppressed, for the foreigner, the widow, the poor, and those that are in need. Help us to live out the truth of Isaiah 117 that asks us to learn to do good, to correct oppression, and to bring your justice. And so as you think through that, what is one way that you can be a part of um, God's justice this week? Jesus, we pray for our leaders. Uh, we ask that they would humbly, would, that they would humble themselves, work diligently, honestly, and for your good, Jesus. 
May we humbly submit to the leadership that you put into place while also remembering your words in Romans 13, that to love our neighbors is the fulfillment of your law. And so we think of those that are in leadership that um, organize, that make laws, that enforce laws. God, would, would our heart as Christians be that to love our neighbors is the fulfillment of any law that's out there. Uh, and so as you think about praying for our leaders and praying for how we can um, move forward together, what's one way that we can love our neighbors this week? It might be your neighbor that actually lives next door to your house or across the street. Uh, it might be the person in the cubicle next to you or one of your coworkers or that kid that sits next to you in class. Whoever it is, what's one way that you could love your neighbors this week? Jesus, we keep praying for our world as we pray against division, racism, sexism, violence, and anything else that dehumanizes people. Help us to recognize that you love each person and that we all carry your image given to us in Genesis 1.27. So what's one way that we this week can see God's image in the people around us? Think about and brainstorm maybe some specific ways that you can recognize that every person around you carries the image of the living God. We're not going to pray for your needs. So Jesus, we trust in you to provide for us everything that we need. Matthew 6, 31 to 33 tells us not to worry about what we will eat, drink, or wear. And that God our Father knows that we need all these things. And it also tells us to seek your kingdom first and that all these things will be provided for us. So Jesus, I ask that you would provide for me by, and then fill in the blank. So if you're with a group of people, have everyone go around and just share something that they believe that they're looking for Jesus, a need that they need him to provide. So as you do that, as you ask Jesus for your need, I would say, again, close your eyes. And with your palms up, picture that Jesus is placing that thing that you just asked for into your hands. We believe by faith that God will provide for your needs. And so Jesus, help us to seek your kingdom first and to trust that you will provide these needs for us. So again, just press into that picture of, of Jesus placing that thing you just asked for right into your hands. We just end this prayer time, Jesus, uh, asking us that you could... Speak to us, Holy Spirit, to help us to hear from you right now. Remind us of our identity as loved children in God's family and help us to put what we hear into action and to join your great mission to restore all things. And together we all say, amen. Amen. Well, I hope that was uh, helpful for you and that you enjoyed uh, that time of prayer. Um, like we said, this, uh, or this um, recording will be up afterwards, so if you want to go back and reference some of those questions or or. Uh, keep having some prayer time together. That's great. Even if you're still in the prayer time, just mute me and keep praying with your people um, or keep praying to Jesus wherever you're at. Um, so I'm going to move into just a devotional. Uh, so with our middle school and high school students, we've been walking through uh, a few things uh, lately about who Jesus is. Uh, and the one that we've landed on 
the past couple weeks uh, was that this idea that Jesus is our sanctifier or that Jesus is our restorer. Uh, and one of the ways that we symbolize this as Christians is by taking communion. And so um, when I was getting ready for it, I, I decided to jump back in just to kind of um, read the first time that communion was taken in the Bible. So if you're unfamiliar with the story, uh, Jesus is in the city of Jerusalem with his close followers. Uh, he's had a very eventful week, uh, and they're observing the Passover uh, meal. That's what they're doing together. So they're in uh, an upper room at the time. Uh, it's Jesus and, like I said, his, his closest friends. Uh, and they share this one last meal together uh, before everything goes crazy in the sense of uh, Jesus going to the cross, uh, the, the betrayals, all that crazy things that happen as he goes there. So there's one meal that happens right before that, uh, and it's pretty pivotal to it. So I'm going to read it, but it's actually the last verse that we're going to lean into a little bit today. So uh, here it goes. This is in Matthew chapter 26. This is while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, which he had given, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it with you, I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And in this last verse, it says, When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so I'm reading this, and, and I've, I've read it a few times, and that last verse has always kind of stuck with me. It's just like, as like a, it seemed like a fun anecdote, right? Like a little like uh, a little thing on the end, uh, kind of like if you ever watch a movie after the credits, they hit you with like that last little, uh, I don't even know what they call it. I think it's called a sleeper. The, like the last little, you got to wait through all the credits to get to the, the last uh, video picture or whatever it is. And um and so I, that's what kind of I always assumed like I was just something fun that they added on at the end. Uh, and so, but while I was reading uh, in my Bible, uh, the, the Bible that I, I usually do my devotional time in, somebody gave it to me when I graduated high school, uh, and it has a few footnotes and a few study things that help. And so uh, I, I kind of asked the question, like, man, I what, like I would love to have known what they sang. Wouldn't that have been awesome, like to know what they sang? That would be really cool. And so then I looked down, and I'll show you the picture here. So this is in my Bible uh, at the very bottom. Uh, it says this. So talking about that verse, Matthew 26, verse 30. Next to it, it says PS 113 to 118. And what that means, PS is an abbreviation for Psalms, the book of Psalms, and that's Psalm 113 to 118. And I'm like, wait a minute. Do we actually know the hymn that Jesus sang or the song that they sang? And most scholars that are worth their weight, so to speak, uh, agree that we do actually know what they sang. Now, when Jesus sang it, they didn't have the numbers like we do. So the book of Psalms is a book in the Old Testament. It's a compilation of a, a variety of songs written by uh, a few different people. Um, but uh, we've put the numbers on them for our own organizational purposes. But uh, then they didn't have the same, you know, Psalm 113 to 118 numbers. But uh, what this is commonly referred to uh, is called it's the Hallel, right? So that's the the Hebrew word for it, remember that the Bible wasn't originally written in English. And so when we talk about it, uh, especially in the Old Testament, mainly it was written in ancient Hebrew. And so uh, these Psalms are actually called uh, the Hallel. Uh, and the word Hallel uh, is this word meaning joyful praise. And it's a word that you've definitely used before when you, if you've ever said hallelujah. Uh, so hallelujah, Hallel is the first part, joyful praise. And the last part, yah, is meaning God. So joyful praise 
to God. And the reason that they call it this Hallel is because that's how it starts, right? That the first line in uh, the Hallel starting in uh, Psalm 113 starts with that. So I'll show you here. So it starts with Hallel, the Lord, or Hallelujah, right? Uh, praise the Lord. Hallel, O servants of the Lord. Hallel, the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised, to be Hallel. Who is like the Lord our God? He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy up from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Hallel the Lord, a hallelujah. And so uh, I was like, man, this is so cool that we like know what Jesus is saying. And so uh, what I want to do this morning with us is I just wanted to point out um, Psalm 118, which is like the last part of, of what they sang. Uh, just that we would take a minute to soak in um, the the feeling of that time that Jesus was singing these words before he was about to go do what he was going to do. And so let me just paint the picture for you again. Th this is Jesus. He's been with his close friends for about three years, uh, doing all sorts of incredible ministry. Everything that he's done up to this point has led him to what's going to come next after this dinner. So so after this dinner, after Jesus steps foot out of this uh, this upper room that they're in. The, the second that he does that, he's getting one step closer to the cross. Like, he, it is going to happen that night. So it's the final meal before that happens, the final time that Jesus has before he's about to go. He's going to get sold out by one of his closest followers named Judas, who sells him out for money. He's going to get uh, betrayed by almost all of his buddies that he just has this meal with. They're all going to desert him except one. Uh, and then and then two women. So I guess three three of his followers are going to be there. But um, what you have with this is that uh, he does that. He's going to get beaten. He's going to get uh, tortured, essentially. Uh, he's going to get ridiculed by a variety of people. Uh, there's a scene where he actually could be freed from this, where like the Roman authorities at the time, that was like the Roman Empire, where, where the, the, the governing authorities like, they say, hey, like, we can set Jesus free, or we can set this other guy free, and the crowd's like, nah, like, we'll take the other guy, like, you know, we don't do what you want with Jesus, and so uh, there's all this brutal stuff that's about to come, not to mention he's about to go die a death on a cross, which is wildly painful, I can only imagine, uh, but, like, he's about to choose to allow himself to be separated from God so that you and I could be, could, uh, be reunited with him. And so Jesus takes on our sin. That's what our sin is. It separates us from God. So he takes all of that on. He chooses to be separated from God in order that he would be able to build a, essentially a bridge for us to get back home to God's family. So th this is all coming in front of him. And so I don't know about you, but if I knew, and that's the thing, like you got to remember, Jesus knew what was coming next. So if if you knew that that was going to happen after this this dinner, like, I don't know about you, I might like wait a little bit. I don't know, like maybe I'll have like an extra piece of bread or something or like, you know what I mean? Like maybe I'll eat a little something else because it's like, you know what is coming after this meal. And the fact that they sing at the very end of this, I think to us should amplify whatever words Jesus is going to use because you have to recognize like his his human nature and his heart in this moment, it, it's it's filled with all sorts of emotions and the turmoil of what's to come. And so these words that Jesus is proclaiming are that sort of Hallel. But here's what I want us to remember this morning is that this, is that the Hallel always comes before the victory. 
So Jesus sings all of this before he goes to the cross. And, and, you'll, and I'll show you when we read it here, especially Psalm 118, that Jesus is singing victory before victory happens. And that is as clear cut as I can give it to you. Like one of the foundational pieces of following Jesus, of being a Christian, is that our hallel, our joyful praise comes before any sort of victory. And before I read it, you might be saying, like that, that sounds very naive. And, and that was one that I've actually been wrestling with here. It's like, I, I know some of you and, and people in our world are dealing with some, some heavy things, dealing with some pain, some opposition, dealing with trauma, dealing with things that seem overwhelming at times. And so uh, it, it seems like almost uh, ridiculous, I think, to say like, oh yeah, you're supposed to praise in the middle of that. And people are like, really? Like, I'm falling apart here. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have anything to stand on here, and you want me to, to praise in this? And so what, what I want us to, to look at is that the call to Hallel before the victory comes, the call to praise before victory, doesn't mean that you, like, have to sing, like, happy, happy, joy, joy, like, you know, in, in the midst of it. But what it means is that Hallel is, is this attitude, this character trait that we have, that in the face of opposition— in the face of injustice, in the dark, Hallel rings out true. And it, and it rings out not ignorant of the circumstances of the situation, but it rings out in spite of that to say, look, these things that are happening here don't define my walk with Jesus. What's happening in this space doesn't define whether or not there's going to be victory at the end. Because if there's Hallel, victory is coming. Because it always happens before it. So let me read for you here. Uh, so we're gonna. I'm gonna show you just a couple. We're gonna do uh, Psalm 116 first, just a, a few verses. So again, remember Jesus is singing this with his friends. He says, "The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, He saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, and I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living." Like hopefully you're starting to feel the weight behind these words that Jesus is singing here, that, that he knows what's coming. He knows that he's going to have tears, that his feet are going to stumble, that he is going to be brutally tortured. And yet in that, his hallel is, this isn't the end of the story. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. He, he continues on uh, in Psalm 118. It says this, Out of my distress, I call on the Lord. The Lord has answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can any human do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. You got to feel this, like what Jesus is singing here. Like he knows everyone that he's close to, just about everyone is about to abandon him. And he knows that these forces of evil that are working behind the scenes to stir up any sort of opposition, whether it was some religious leaders at the time, whether it was the government officials at the time, all that space, Jesus knows that there's coming against him. But in that, in the face of that, his hallel is, God is with me. I'm not afraid. Like, what, what are y'all going to do to me? Like, God is on my side here. And this is a thread that you see throughout the whole Bible, especially the Old Testament, when, when God's chosen people, the Israelites are there, they say, God, if God is for us, who can be against that? Well, that's Romans. But that's the idea, right? That they're saying God's on our side here. Like, it doesn't matter what opposition is there. I know that God is in that space. And you, hopefully you caught it there at the end. He says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Man, is that a word that we need to hear? Like, 
there are so many of us, I feel like, that put way too much trust in people or in government or in uh, leaders or whoever it is to be our refuge. And that, that's just not the case here because Jesus is going to face all these people that he thought he was best friends with, people that he thought had his back, are not going to be his refuge, right? He's not putting his trust in the Roman Empire at the time. Like, he, he eventually, uh, in this, before he gets to the cross, he comes face to face with this guy named Pontius Pilate. And he's the, the Roman uh, uh, governor, governing official at the time. And uh, Jesus is not looking to him to save him. And, and the dialogue that him and, and Pontius Pilate have back and forth is unbelievable because Jesus is standing there so sure of what's going to happen, so dead set on going to the cross for us to remove the separation of sin. And, and, and this guy, Pontius Pilate, is blown away. He's like, why? you know, I could help you out here, right? Like, you know, like, I can, and Jesus is like, you're not my refuge, man. Like, you are not the one that is going to save me in this. I would rather, and it's better to trust and take refuge in the Lord than to trust in any sort of, of, of government, of any sort of official that, that might be able to pull some strings for you. This is the heart of what Jesus is singing here. He's proclaiming victory over his situation before it happens. Um, it continues on here. Psalm 118, it says, The Lord is my strength, my song, and has become my salvation. Hopefully you caught that. Has become my salvation. We're talking past tense. Already become my salvation. This is the way that it works. That even in the midst of things, we trust that Jesus has already become our salvation. And Jesus is saying that. He goes, I haven't even gone to the cross yet, but it's already done. Because I am singing my hallel, knowing that victory is coming. Check these last few lines out. These are crazy. He says, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Man, if that doesn't get you going, like you got to feel this in this story. Jesus is singing out, I'm not going to die, I'm going to live. Like he, he knows that death is imminent for him, but he knows that's, that's not the end of the story because that is how the Bible portrays. That's what God wants to tell us. We're not made for death because death is not the end. That he's saying, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to die, I'm going to live. And so this is where when Jesus comes back from the dead, when he's resurrected and he goes back to see his disciples, that's why he's, he's almost a little bit miffed with them to say, like, guys, we sang this together. Like, what do you mean you're, you're shocked that I'm alive? Like, we... You were in the room, like we were all there. We were singing this together. And I sang, I'm not going to die, I'm going to live. Like I wasn't talking like that this is some fantasy. Like I'm talking this is real life. And, and, and you caught it there at the end. This is a huge, huge line in the story of the Bible. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus came to his own people and said, I am the rock. Like I am this savior, this Messiah that you're looking for. And most people rejected it. The, the, the people at the time rejected him, sent him to the cross thinking they were just going to get rid of him. But what they didn't realize is by rejecting that stone, they now made him the cornerstone, the foundation of our faith. And this is huge for all of us, no matter where you're at today, because if, if you're looking for circumstances to line up, or it maybe I think, I feel like Lee and I have said this in the past, like maybe two days where it's like, it just feels like there's always something else. There's always something else that's coming up. There's always something else. Like it never, it never feels like things can just, you know, be the way they were created to be. And that's kind of the reality that we live on. But the other side of it is this. Jesus is our cornerstone. And so we're not swayed to the left or the right. We're not pushed and, and, and shaken to the point where we, we lose our equilibrium because we recognize our foundation is built on Jesus. He has become our cornerstone. And so when, when, 
troubles come, when we're faced with opposition, we recognize that Jesus is this, and he sang this about himself before it happened. Uh, here's how he ends singing this. This is an unbelievable proclamation. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That's another sermon for another time, like whether or not you trust, like God is good. But this is the idea of it. Like Jesus is saying, I'm giving thanks to God because he is good and he, he is faithful. His love is not running out anytime soon. And when you think about it, like Jesus knows what's coming, everyone. Like he knows he is about to face probably the hardest section of his entire life after he sings this song. And yet in that song, he's not singing it, uh, just mouthing the words. He's not going through the motions, so to speak. He is belting this out with his friends saying, give thanks to God because he's good. His steadfast love is enduring in this space. So the question for us that I wanted to ask this morning is just simply, do we hallel before the victory? In your own life, can you say, am I one that is bringing hallel before victory comes? And again, remember, this is not saying like we're ignorant to your circumstances or, or to the opposition that's there. It's real. It's painful. It's no joke. Jesus is not removing himself from any of it. He is not singing these songs of Hallel uh, saying, oh, like this like this whole crucifixion thing is going to be a breeze. Like, it's not. Life is is difficult and it can be overwhelming and it can, it can pile on us. But in the midst of it, are we able to find Hallel before the victory that comes? That's what Jesus is calling us to do. And, and the reason I ask that question is because uh, if I were to take a look, uh, a, a, an honest assessment, so to speak, of, of our church body, I'm not talking about anybody else but Lighthouse Church right now, uh, I don't know if I'm seeing a lot of Hallel before the victory. I don't say that to shame anybody or to guilt anyone. I'm saying how can we come together with one another to bring praise before the victory comes? It, it, this is vital to our, our, our life force here, so to speak, as Christians. We need to have this Hallel that's there. And I guess to, to add to that, uh, if you say, yeah, like I feel like I'm, I'm doing my halal pretty good, like it, it's coming before the victory. Um, if we were able to lay out your life, the words that you say, the actions that you're doing, like the way that you're living, would that uh, reflect your answer of yes, I do have halal? And I say that because uh, I was remembering when I was in high school, I was a part of an organization called Young Life. And so we were, me and a few others were a couple of the student leaders in our, our, our local Young Life club. And we went to the student leader training and we get there uh, and they asked us a similar question. They didn't use this language, but it was essentially, they basically said, look, like if you're going to be a leader or if you're going to be, it wasn't even really a leader. It's like, if you're going to follow Jesus, like you have to be sincere about it. Like everyone can see through the fake stuff. And so they, they asked us some questions like, you know, do you feel like by the way that you're living, the way that you treat others, the way that you're acting, like, do you feel like you are portraying somebody, not portraying, are you living out the truth? Of, of who Jesus is in your life, is this real to you? And most of us are like, oh yeah, like we're there, like we're good. And so we're in a room of about maybe 200 some odd students and leaders and they're all saying, yeah, like I feel like we're doing pretty good. Like, you know, I'm doing this and that. And and the next thing they did, uh, just like shook everybody in the room. They said, all right, so most of you said you feel like you're doing a pretty good job. Uh, why don't we go and uh, see if there's evidence of that? And so what they did in front of everyone on the big projector screen, uh, they said, all right, give us somebody's name that's here. And so somebody shouted out their name. Luckily, it wasn't my name. But somebody's name was shouted out. 
They pulled up their Facebook page in front of the entire room of 200 people, right? This is when Facebook just came out, so like all the high schoolers were all about it. And uh, so, like this kid, his Facebook page is up front in front of like 200 people, and they're scrolling through his page, like, all right, so you just said that you're following, like. Does this reflect that? And it wasn't done to shame this kid. It wasn't done to like brutally embarrass him. It was just to say, look, if you're going to say, I have true halal, is that showing up in every area of your life? And I'm, I'm being honest, just with our Lighthouse Church body, uh, I don't see more halal uh, than more negativity when it comes to Facebook stuff or when it comes to social media. Like we have to be ones that are portraying this idea that we have Hallel, that victory is coming. And so I don't need to be blown around by these shifting sands. I'm standing on the cornerstone of Jesus in this space. Uh, and here's the best part about all this. And I say all that again, not to guilt anyone or to bring shame, but to recognize how much we need to be following the example of Jesus Christ. There's this, this incredible verse in Hebrews that talks just about this. It says this, Hebrews 12, two to three. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I've always wondered that. It's, it's for, catch the line. For the joy set before him. Jesus, that, that was joyful for you? And again, th this is what we're talking about with this halal praise. It wasn't Jesus going like, man, I'm so like happy and excited to be able to get through the cross. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying there is a deep joy that he's able to tap into because he's able to have joy knowing that even if I have to endure this cross, even if I get all this shame, I know that victory is coming. I know that I'm going to sit down at the right hand of my God, of, of my Father God in heaven. I'm going to be there. That victory is proclaimed. And so for us, our goal is to be more like Jesus. So whenever you're facing that, the last one again, consider Jesus who endured opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the call of it. That our halal, what it's supposed to do is that when the world overwhelms you, when things pile on, when it feels like you can't go any further, we think about Jesus. We say Jesus faced opposition. We actually, uh, uh, one of the early pastors in, in the church as it first got to go named Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul said that you should actually, uh, when, when opposition comes, you should count it uh, to your favor because like you're becoming more like Jesus. And if you're going to walk this path, you're going to face opposition. But that's okay because it's an honor to face opposition the way that Jesus did because we recognize that opposition is so momentary and so light and that there's victory on the other side. And the point of this is that those of you that are struggling, don't give up. Don't grow weary of following Jesus. Don't lose heart. That's what halal means. Maybe you don't feel like singing. Maybe you're saying, I don't, I don't want to listen to any of these Christian songs right now because they're not singing what I'm saying. Maybe you feel like I can't even get out of bed. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. That's what halal means. When you can't sing it, can you live it out? When, when I am angry or when I'm anxious or when I'm overwhelmed or when things... Are, are unbelievably difficult. Am I still following Jesus, trusting that victory is coming? That's what true hallel is. Not, I'm going to sing, you know, uh, okay, we're so happy. Like, that's not it. Don't give up. Don't lose heart in this. And here's the beautiful part, that the hallel that Jesus sang in uh, with his friends, it's actually not the last hallel. 
There's one more that's to come. And the next Hallel actually comes before the last victory. And, and here's the secret, the little nudge nudge. We can be there for it. Okay, so at the end of the Bible, there's a book called Revelation. All right, so this is just a side note for all my New Jersey people out there. I have noticed some of you enjoy, maybe you don't enjoy it, but you do it. You put an S at the end of words that don't get S's, right? Like you say, like you twos or you guys or all that. And so I'm not calling anyone out in specific, but over the course of time that I've lived here, uh, I've heard many of you refer to the book of Revelation as Revelations. There's no S, all right? So that's just a side note. But uh, back to this. The next Hallel comes before the last victory. So at the end of the Bible, uh, there is this book called Revelation. And uh, it's this future vision that's given to one of Jesus' close followers named John. Uh, and at the very end, he describes this final epic battle where Jesus and, and really with Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity is there. And they finally overthrow. Uh, they finally uh, eliminate death. They eliminate the Satan. They eliminate the enemy. They, they, they wipe out uh, all this opposition. Like it's the final victory, right? This final epic scene that happens. And then after that, this new, this new world, this new eternal life with God uh, gets birthed from that, right? Like it comes out of it. But here's the amazing part. You and I get to sing Hallel before that victory comes. In fact, you might even be able to make the case that we actually get to see God, like see this whole battle like taking place. Uh, but the, if you look here, it's in Revelation 19. There's one last Hallel. And we're there, and it comes before this victory comes. Let me read it. It says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallel, God, a hallelujah. That's you. That's you and me. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are going to be part of this great multitude singing the final Hallel before victory. Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made uh, herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. There's this final epic scene where God is finally reunited with his people. The Bible describes it as a marriage, as a wedding feast. We're the church described as the bride of Christ making ourselves ready. And so as we're ready, we sing this final Hallel. And then if you keep reading Revelation, then the last battle comes. This is the call that we are to have as Christians, that our lives are marked by singing Hallel before victory happens. And so just to end today, I want to ask you this final question is, how will you Hallel before the last victory? How will you in your day-to-day -day life and what's happening in your space, how will you develop and continue to grow in your faith to look more like Jesus, that we sing Hallel knowing victory's coming? Being just like Jesus, not giving up, not losing heart, knowing that while we face opposition, victory is guaranteed for those of us in Christ Jesus. And so we sing in the face of it. We sing in the face of the injustice and the darkness. We sing in the face of the opposition saying that I know with Jesus, our cornerstone, victory is coming on the other end. So let me pray for us all. Jesus, we, we just give you hallelujah right now. God, we bring you praise, Lord, in, in this space that we're in. God, all of those of us that are struggling, that are feeling opposition, that are feeling persecuted, that are feeling weighed down, God, we bring our hello to you, Lord, to say that while life not, might not be great right now, or while things might be dicey, or while we might be unsure, 
that we know victory in you, Jesus, is guaranteed, that we know it is coming, that you, God, are our strong and firm foundation. And so, Lord, we just come before you humbly to say, help us, God. Help us to be those that bring halal, that, that are the ones that proclaim your joy, proclaim your victory, Lord, before it comes. We know it's coming, God. Remind us when we forget. God, help those of us that need to hear that word not to give up today. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Jesus is still in this. The story's not over yet, and that victory is coming. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for jumping in with us. Again, I hope that it encouraged you. Uh, man, get outside. What a beautiful day. Enjoy today, and uh, we'll see you soon, church. We love you all. Have a good day, everybody.